And by the way, I checked out your mixtape, and it's great. I know, it's fire, right? <laughs> but, uh... Get to the point. Point being, we're gonna work down it. We take what we want and leave the rest. All culminating in me releasing my summer playlist. Great compilation tape. You could tell a lot about a person by what's on their playlist. So, um, what are you listening to? Uh, music. But tell me, do you enjoy music? What kind of music do you usually have here? There's a genre. Neutral. So, do you like stuff? Speaking of Gangstar and beef, one of the most awkward shows I ever went to was when I lived in Boston. And I had to take the train to Quincy, I think, to see Gangstar live. And I was amped out of my mind to finally see them live. And I don't know if everybody knows this, but Guru was originally from Boston. Nobody really liked him. So he moved to New York and staked his claim there. Went and saw him live, amped out of my mind. First song in, the whole entire crowd booed him off stage. And he, he ended the show three songs in. DJ Premier was there. He tried to keep it going. Nobody was feeling it. They were throwing cans at him. It was the shortest show I ever been to. And I was, I was heartbroken because I had been looking forward to this show for years. And that's like the next that level beats. And what, Boston's excited for what, Mr. Cheeks or something to come on? Yeah, I was going to ask, well, who was, who was playing that everybody came to see? Joe or something? Like, I don't know. But it's like, there's not a lot, that's why my point is, there's not a lot of heat coming out of Boston, so what are they excited for coming up next? It's like, I yeah. have no fucking idea. Meatloaf? So wait, was this, was it, <laughs> was it only, they were only playing? Or was no, it, uh, that, was that's what festival? was, that's what blew my mind, is their openers were, of course, Boston natives, and the stage went, or the crowd went crazy. They were like, oh my God, this is what we came here for. And then Gangstar comes the out. Opening. Oh yeah. man. Gangstar comes out, he starts playing Mass Appeal, Work, all the jams that I came and paid $45 for. Took a train for an hour just to get to the show and they're booing him off stage. And that sucks. I was like dumbstruck. And people were hating on me outside the show because I was like, why did this happen? What is wrong? And they're like, Guru's a hater. He doesn't even respect you, Boston. And I'm like, if you're hating on, I mean, he's never said, why are you here? Yeah, he never has said a bad thing about Boston. He just wasn't loved in Boston. Yeah, Tupac was born in New York and he fucking represented the Bay Area hard. Doesn't fucking yeah. mean shit where you're from. Exactly. <laughs> but speaking of beef, that was the most awkward beef I've ever seen in hip hop, was just showing up at that show. And yeah, that's weak. Yeah. Or the beef that Cookie started with me when he ignored me. That there we go. I'm just kidding. That's one somebody of my favorite stories. Somebody else tell their story. Um, well, uh, I decided to choose rock as my genre to find beef in. Are you ready to rock? One of the most popular feuds in rock and roll that I found is between Neil Young and Leonard Skinnerd. Uh, it mainly started in the 70s with Neil Young's songs, Alabama and Southern Man, where he was very critical of the South and how they portrayed the bastion of bigoted crackers, basically stating that the whole entire South was a watering hole of just racist 
old white folks that were not very open to change. And Leonard Skinner found that offensive and was kind of like, this is where I'm from, this is my home, and we don't want to be referred to as this anymore. And so they tried to stake their claim, and apparently Leonard Skinner thought that Neil Young was a little old-timey and that he focused too much on, like, the stereotypical Southern white wrongdoings. <laughs> So, so here's a, here's the second verse from Sweet Home Alabama. Well, I heard Mr. Young sing about her. Well, I heard old Neil put her down. Well, I hope Neil Young will remember a Southern man don't need him around. So they're actually taking a straight shot right at Neil Young with these references in their, in their verse. Here. Well, cause so it says Young had expressed his disappointment with racism in the two songs, Southern Man yes. and Alabama. So, so he, so, so, so I'm getting this straight. Neil Young, was up was talk shit on racism young songs Al, alabama and southern man took aim at south south's checkered race relations past with references to slave ownership and cross burning skinnered singer ronnie van vizant seemingly felt young was painting too many good people with the same old bad brush and responded with the now famous don't need him around any, anyhow so he's saying that like oh things have changed you can't say that shit anymore yes that's what he's that's what Leonard Skinner is saying thank you yes that's exactly he's saying we don't need these old folks around that are like continuing to like portray no no he's saying he's oh no he's saying we don't need because you're saying Neil Young's the young dude in this no Neil Young is the old dude in this oh he's old in this okay so he's he's keeping that so okay Leonard Skinner is saying that they're they're the new the new blood and they're not racist exactly they're saying they're the new school, so there was a bit of a feud. It's a very popular one for obvious reasons because it brings up race. Well, it's it's uh, uh, keep America great, or, or make, yeah, or make America great again. That's what that exactly what it is. It started uh, probably a very good conversation that needed to happen. Neil Young's criticism of his own environment is not meant to be a hostile attack on his countrymen or his you know his statesmen his you know people that he, he's living with Leonard Skinner is not meant meaning to attack these people he's really just observing his surroundings and and as someone who's white and probably comes from some sort of privilege just inherently from being white like I don't know anything about Neil Young's background so I was going to say where is Lee? I wonder where Neil Young's from yeah probably I know he's from some really poor background but yeah. even then I know my mom grew up in a trailer park, and even she had more privilege than the Native Americans that she grew up around. You know what I'm saying? Like, you still, you're white, and you grow up in poverty, you're still better off than the people that are not white in poverty. So, so Neil Young inherently just had some of that growing up and and experienced that, and and maybe Leonard Skinner had a different experience with that. And so... So Neil Young's intent is not to cause hostility, not to cause problem, but it's to start a conversation and just say, hey, this is my experiences with this in my life, and it's not appropriate. And and maybe, you know, I don't know anything about Neil Young or yeah. his intent, but really, like, I hope that's what, what it was, is like, let's start a conversation. Let's get people talking about, holy shit, that's a crazy thing that I just said. Why did Neil Young just fucking say that? Why would he even say something about his own, his own people, his own yeah, like, his own culture or upbringing? Let's 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 learn about Neil Young really quick because I feel bad. Like if he's from here we go. No, here we go. 
Boston. Or something. <laughs> He's from Cambridge. <laughs> In his 2012 autobiography, Waging Heavy Peace, Young commented on his role in the song's creation, writing, My own song, Alabama, Alabama, richly deserved the shot Leonard Skinner gave me with the great record. I don't like my words when I listen to it. They are a, they are a costery and condescending, not fully thought out, and too easy to misconstrue. Hmm. So, no, he it's so. Yeah. And his Sweet Home Alabama is written as an answer to two songs by Neil Young, Southern Man in Alabama, which dealt with themes of racism and slavery in the American South. We thought Neil Young was shooting at all the ducks in order to kill one or two. Like, I assume he's from Alabama. I just want to be good. Neil Young. Uh, Neil Young. Oh, he's a Canadian American. Canadian American. That's why it's extra uh, frustrating for Leonard Skinner because he's a Canadian. Like, I'm not saying he's pure Canadian, but like just that fact from someone like I, I, I have prejudices against Canadian and I'm from fucking Seattle. We're on the border. I mean, not on the border, but Washington State is on the border with Canada. Like we should be, you know, closer as close as fucking Los Angeles is with Mexico. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I think I think a Canadian talking shit about Alabama no, that could seem very critical, for sure. And then, and that's why Neil Young is saying those weren't thought out. He's not from the South. He doesn't, he just, it's pretty much, you know, that makes sense. And why, how he answered that. He, I, he did deserve that shot. Yeah, Canada sucks. I think all our listeners can agree with that. Yeah. I think it was what Anton's saying is like, let's just change our frame of mind, expand ourselves, and call each other out if we have to. I mean, it's an interesting beef because... I totally get Neil Young's perspective, and I, I get Leonard Skinner's perspective. I don't want to be painted a certain light, but in a way, you, you kind of you, you are from the south. Like I have friends from Atlanta, Georgia now that say they have left to Seattle because of the inherent like built-in racism yeah. just in their city. And it's like this is what 50 years after this beef is taken, or whatever, 40, 50 oh, yeah. years after. It's like clearly there's something about that area that's inherently and built into you know to make you know people of color uncomfortable uncomfortable not not equal and to whites yeah, you know in well, whatever and, way like you know hey there's a podcast we had where i talk about this girl who has really bad luck don't use that what is that a mitch Hedberg joke or something no <laughs> very weird segue but right. cool anthony are you ready to do your wait I, I, just, I just don't more oh you got two more stories <laughs> not that long oh. we're not gonna go off that topic um well i mean just being that we're from seattle apparently nirvana and pearl jam had some beef kurt cobain thought pearl jam as a whole was a bit of a sellout band from the beginning wait did you say whole because of the band whole and this is going okay clever I mean, we, don't get me started on Courtney Love. She had beef with the whole entire universe. Kurt Cobain thought that Pearl Jam was a sellout because uh, their first album, 10, uh, had too many guitar solos. And he thought he was just trying, Eddie Vedder was just trying to appease to the masses where, and just riding the grunge bandwagon where Kurt Cobain and Nirvana sort of seemed to drive the grunge to a new realm or to a new genre. Am I weird? I'm thinking that that's a weird perspective for the rock artists to have that people want more guitar solos. I feel like that's not true, really, is it? 
it, I was. That's why I brought it up because it seems a little contrived. Or no, the fact that Nirvana would be mad that they have long guitar solos would be like pointing to the fact that they're different. I don't know. But their music, yeah, no, your music has guitar solos, bro. Not cool. Yeah. So I, I thought that one was funny and so silly. Also, I wanted to bring that one up because I found out that Axl Rose apparently had beef with Nirvana because he just absolutely hated them. He thought they were garbage, and I think that's hilarious because, I mean, look at Axl Rose. He looks like he lived in a garbage can for quite a while. Well, and it's just part of what? Guns and it's, Roses. Uh, My favorite beef that I found in rock and roll was between the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Mike Patton. Um, apparent, Mike Patton is who? Mike Patton is, to me, a legend. Oh, he's he, a DJ well, he started Faith No More. Mr. Bungle. He started Mr. Bungle. He's done great hip-hop collaborations with Dan the Automator. Sorry, I reference him every episode, I think. Um, uh, he does soundtracks, too? He does soundtracks, yeah. too, right? If we're going to talk about best DJs ever, what we should have so Dan the Automator is on my list. Yeah, definitely top five, if not yeah, three. Top five. Yeah. Uh, Mixmaster um, Mike, he makes his own sounds. So, Red Hot Chili Peppers lead singer Anthony Cletus, I think is his name. Cletus. 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 Okay. Cletus. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Cletus? Anthony Pussyfuck Cletus. <laughs> clitoris. Yes, that's the pronunciation. Yeah, clitoris. It's uh, like a, a Greek name, I believe. Yeah. Clitoris. <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers, Anthony... Clitoris. Clitoris. Clitoris had beef with Michael Patton from his Faith No More music video, Epic, which apparently was one of their big hit singles. If you remember the song, it was epic. But uh, Anthony was pissed. He thought it was too reminiscent of his music videos. So it was totally his ego. And as a retort, Mike Patton uh, mocked him for years, had denounced any like trying to uh, copy Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then on tour years later as Mr. Bungle, he actually made his whole entire band dress up as Red Hot Chili Peppers just to make fun of them. I watched the music video and it's great. It's just as great as any dumb shit Red Hot Chili Peppers music video. And what I thought was so comical about Anthony getting offended by its resemblance is it was the 90s and it was alternative rock and it was MTV. Literally every alternative rock music video looked like a Red Hot Chili Peppers music video. It was long hair, it was bright colors, somebody on a drum set. It was the same bullshit that you see every single day. I mean, let's, let's be honest though, rock music videos for like California rock groups back in the day, not really breaking the mold yeah. for crazy music video content, you know? Precisely. Thank you. <laughs> well, and let's be honest, there's a director involved in all this. Like, Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. No, that's was... true. They probably have no say in it. They're probably like, well, yeah, how many directors are there at this point? Maybe six people making all the videos? Like, you yeah. got to think. There's only a handful of people making all the videos. I'm sure Mike Patton was like, oh, who can I get to direct this video? Oh, let's get the guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Why not? We can't get... Who's that fucking uh, Swedish guy that directs all the BC Boys? Oh, Spike Jones? No, no. No, no. Uh, the guy who's really just... Yeah, the guy who's really uh, just... The Adam. cousin, the Adam's one's cousin, man. No, from Sweden. Really Adam, I thought. Anyways. No, it was his cousin, bro. Oh, it's his Sweden. cousin? No, it's not. It's, it's him. Swedish it's his cousin from Sweden. 
Yeah, the Swedish chef. Burkadurkadur. No, the Swedish film are you, guy. Are you fucking with me, Anthony, or are you just playing a game right now? No, the Swedish film guy. No, it's cousin. not really his cousin, though. Yes, it is, dude. Trust me. I saw the video. <laughs> it's him. It's him it dressed is, it up is, in Swedish Dude, car. it is not. It is not. It is weird. It is weird that he never is in the same scene with him. Are you, are but, you listening to yourself right now? <laughs> but I'm sure there's an explanation for it. I thought it was just Ad Rock. I could have sworn. No, not at all. I doubt it. I'm hoping that's what we find out. Just like I know. There's a video. There's a picture that's just them next to each other, like a famous picture. Yeah, and it's photoshopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it's just a photo of Ad Rock by himself with his hand around his shoulder. All right, all right. Let's get to another story. Nathaniel Hornblower, dude. Yeah, no, but he's he's a no, he's person. a real person. No, he's a real. No, he's Nathaniel Hornblower. Yeah, he's a famous director. Yeah, right. for the Beastie Boys. Yeah, and I'm a famous porn star. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, oh. Adam Yauch is Nathaniel Hornblower, dude. Yeah, it's nope. the same nope. dude. No, nope. real mustache, real everything, for sure. Oh, okay, he's fucking us. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. So that's my Mike Patton beef. Which, if none of you all know who Mike Patton is, you should tune in. No, you shouldn't. Why not? You don't like I Mike Patton? I hate Mike Patton. I went to go see... I have a, a Mike Patton. I went to go see... Um, I got a free ticket to Snowcore. I, for, I don't know what year it was. Snowcore? Snowcore. It was like a little um, like a little um, festival. It was not even a festival. It was three bands at the time. And I think it was, it was like a radio thing. Um, and it was Incubus. It was System of a Down. And it was you Mr. Already Markle. are listing the worst bands ever. No way. I loved Incubus. I didn't love Incubus. Incubus was fine. Um, I loved System of a Down. System of a System Down was yeah. so and they were so good live holy like so this yeah, is this is this is right so this is when incubus was blowing up so system of a down didn't blow up yet and mr bungle was <laughs> mr bungle is 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 big underground music yeah like everybody knows about it cool. but nobody yeah. likes it I'm, and, I'm going you to... like it you like it but um it was him it was only him too it was only him and and a set of, like he had a setup where there was keyboards all around him so he would just spin and play the keyboards and do his yeah. weird noise. It was fucking noise. It wasn't even music. It was the weirdest shit I've ever seen. This is coming from the guy that loves sound, but he thinks that noise is... Exactly. I thought... I was like, wow, I've never heard anybody just bang on keyboards before. Like, knowing and not knowing it was the Faith or more. Like, if I knew it was all that, I'm like, oh, sh-, I probably would have had more respect for him. Okay, that's good to hear. I didn't know it was him. So, yeah, I, it was me going in blindly, going, who the fuck is this dude banging on keyboards? That was a great concert, except him. Don't listen to Anthony's advice. Listen to my <laughs> <laughs> Well, transitioning from rock to country i will admit i learned about a very interesting country beef between garth brooks and waylon jennings garth brooks and wait wait garth brooks or his um i love garth brooks he's one of my favorite country music. what was his what was his little something black i don't know what was his thing when he made a movie don't you remember the movie he made garth uh, brooks eagle Bro, but don't you guys... Oh, Chris Gaines. You don't remember Chris Gaines? Definitely not. Oh, my God. I do remember God. Waylon Jennings, though. Wait, wait. So, wait, wait. Why was... What was the beef? Well, Waylon Jennings mainly only had beef with him because... 
Garth Brooks at that time was like the new school country man. Oh, country man. yeah, and Way, Waylon Jennings was sort of feeling old and tired, and his ego sort of played into effect. And he was like, "I, I, I don't approve of this new frontman for country music." And it's it's been an ongoing uh, beef or battle that's been going on. And when interviewed about it, really, Garth Brooks is like. Everybody that I grew up listening to in the country genre and everybody that inspired me growing up were inspired by Wailing Jenny. So I don't really know what to say about this beef, except for that he, I guess, intimidated Waylon or sort of knocked him out of his comfort zone. It's the Nas scenario. Dude, can I, if this is a quote, I'm, uh, this is hilarious. Garth Brooks did to country music what panties did a finger fucking Waylon yeah, Jennings. Yeah, that's what Waylon Jennings said. Yes. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Oh Thank my you. God. I can't believe he said that. I forgot that oh, part. I'm blushing yeah. as I read that. <laughs> so Chris Gaines is like when the panties came off. <laughs> that's Chris Gaines. Speaking about country, uh, my uh, feud uh, was uh, my choice was Dolly Parton and Porter Wagner. Nice. Uh, these are two country classics. Porter Wagner was famous for having his own show, a weekly TV program called The Porter Wagner Show, where he played uh, country music and was just like, it was the, the, everybody loved it. People watched it all over. So it was um, like a soul train of country music? It was more like it was more like him just singing the whole damn time, and he'd bring like guest star. It, it, was, it, it was it was like it was like a big show for him, and then he'd bring his friends, his, his people that play guitar. It was kind of like a, the Grand, old Grand Opry. The old Grand Opry. Yeah. Do you guys know what that is? Yes, I do. It, it was kind of like that, like a, like a weekly, like a variety music, show. Variety show, exactly. Yeah. It was a variety show, exactly. Totally. Uh, so Porter Wagner, uh, being the host or you know the, the Porter Wagner show, uh, found Dolly Parton. I'm not sure how he found her. I, I read it and I totally forgot how he found her. But he found her and he brought her onto a sh- on the show, and she earned a spot for being so good. People loved her. People fell in love with Dolly Parton. Um, I mean, you know Dolly Parton now. I mean, how can you not fall in love with her? Great singer and everything. That's, that's she looks amazing. <laughs> You know, so being on TV and everything, she was amazing. Uh, people loved her. So, I mean, they had, uh, they did quite a few years together, actually, doing the show. And uh, eventually, Dolly Parton got big enough where she could pretty much leave the show and she'd have her own career. So in 1974, she chose to do that. She chose to go on her solo career. And guess who did not like that? Porter. Porter Wagner. <laughs> Porter Wagner did not like that. Nice. He, he it, it, that was an effect Porter Wagner's money. Uh, I, 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 you know, so he was not, he was not happy with that. So, you know, if, if for Porter Wagner, that was breach of contract, her going on oh, wow. to do her own, to do her own thing. When Dolly Parting was trying to leave, he, he wouldn't take, you know, he would, he wouldn't talk to her. He wouldn't do all, you know, he, as she would say, he wouldn't talk to her, wouldn't do all this stuff. So the only way she felt that she can get something across to him, how she felt was to write a song. So she wrote, I will always love you. And she saw, she, she wrote that for Porter Wagner. And now and we all know I will always love you is a crazy classic hit now. Uh, Elvis sang it. Um, and another story, Elvis tried to buy that off her. She's like, hell no, you cannot buy that off me. That song is worth money. He did, And obviously it is because he paid to use it. So yeah, so she wrote that song for him. 
made a crap load of money, moved on to do her own thing, and they just had the biggest feud for a long time, um, where they wouldn't talk to each other and talk shit. Eventually, in 1979, where Porter Wagner put a, law, a $3 million lawsuit against Dolly Parton for breach of contract. And that went in court for quite a while, but eventually it was dropped. Dolly Parton, uh, she didn't have any contract with it that, that would uphold that, so she was she was let go and to do her own thing. So she became her own thing. So I'm, I'm wow. reading it, I'm reading an interesting thing. It sounds like she, the first time she sang it was for Porter Wagner in his office, promising yeah. him that she would always love him. Wow. Yeah, even though even though he he was like giving her the cold shoulder yeah. and she was going to move on that she would al- she would always respect that she he brought her up and that yeah, I, w- I will always love you for for doing all this for me and all you know putting me where I'm at pretty I mean, much. It reminds me of what happened with Bill Withers and Clarence they had to split up just because of finance like he needed like Bill Withers was just becoming big. I mean, he needs to make the money and he can't be held back just because of these relationships where somebody wants to make money off of you kind of you know you're, you're their paycheck and it's it's it is and i'm sure you become friendly and all that but at some point you feel like uh, you know with porter wagner he felt like she stabbed him in the back by just doing what she was doing you know like you say like he has to make money he has to do something well that's that's exactly what clarence avon said he's like he he felt betrayed by bill withers yeah. just because bill withers needed to keep making money for himself yep. and it's, it's I, I mean i don't get it personally but i get conceptually where they're coming from it's like yeah this guy's kind of your revenue stream and you think that you're kind of family and that that inherently makes you deserving of this money maybe i don't know but no, it's definitely, and it sounds like it sounds like Dolly Parton did everything she could to fucking keep to make it, it right, yeah, yeah to, to make it, it no, to to leave it square. And she was so just look at that first line. If I should stay, I would only be in your way. Like I don't know, I read that as like she needs to move on and pursue her thing. He's got a good thing going. He's got a variety show. He's doing it. That's exactly that was it too. He had his own thing going. Got, he, you she's got to grow and become her identity yeah what well, it's, it's gonna become the dolly parton show yeah she's just singing every episode yeah. <laughs> and then oh, so, so that was it for that like so she was leaving to do tvs uh to do movies yeah to bridge the gap between pop and country music as well yeah and to do great songs with kenny thank Rogers. god she did yeah and porter and porter wearing is very more classical country it wasn't pop and then that makes more sense that she was going more pop and country than and porter wagon was not so that could have been also uh why they were kind of drifting apart. Yeah, drifting apart on that sense. Very cool. But I just think that was a great, like, a great rivalry that brought an amazing song. And knowing that song and then, like, hearing the lyrics makes it even more, how how much more stronger is that? Because it's a real, like, that's a real song. Yeah. Like, those feelings are are real. And that was written in intent to to push that that feeling towards it and what amazing job she did with it i mean this is like kind of interesting you bring it up because one of my issues with country music nowadays is like and i i think country at its at its roots is an amazing is amazing form of music but nowadays it's just so bogged down with these artificially constructed songs and it's like the the history of country man does it have some amazing just really classic works of, of american art basically of like what it means to be from the united states in a certain period of time and god damn do they do it right like fuck it's really good oh it's great, great. music i love country music i great mean old school country music such good music eventually they did make up 
Oh, okay. Before before Porter Wagner's death in 2007. Oh, and Porter does Dolly. Oh, I saw that. That so was they, a great porno. <laughs> uh, I'd see it. Uh, well, he'd be really old, though. He'd be really old. But um, <laughs> the graphic, I, yeah. I, I'm really not really sure their age. I'm sure their age different was 20 years. Something. Well, it's interesting. In the beginning, you're like, I wonder how he found Dolly. It's like, yeah, well, I wonder how an old man finds a young girl. Hmm. Oh, but they did make up at the end. And they even, ha- he, they even did a roast at one point. And uh, Dolly Parton uh, roasted him by saying, one of the jokes she says, she goes, he, I knew he was crazy when he sued me for a million dollars when he was only paying me $300 a week. <laughs> so, nice. so yeah no maybe she did have to leave uh yeah or she had a really extra. good writer fuck that's that's a hilarious show maybe it was anthony's delivery i don't know <laughs> no, no, you gotta hear her her no dolly barton's hilarious yeah no. she's hilarious well speaking about elvis because you did bring up elvis wanted to buy Boy. that song i thought uh, elvis and little richard had beef but they surprisingly did not Little Richard, Chuck Berry, other of the up-and-coming black artists in the rock and roll genre back in those days actually were very appreciative of Elvis back in that time because none of the white culture was willing to listen to that music and Elvis Presley uh, embraced that music and showed appreciation for it and brought it into his genre of music and I I just found that very interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting point because Elvis, I mean, nowadays can get a little bit of slack for like a yeah. cultural appropriation. And it's like, thank you. Yes. In a way, he brought a form of music to white culture that they otherwise would not have listened to. So, I mean, it's kind of like no. Macklemore nowadays. It's like, I feel like a lot of people listen to rap, not maybe from the newer generation because of Macklemore and how he got really big. And I got like, this is my point with Macklemore back in the day is I feel like a big part of him getting famous was because he was white. And I'm sorry to say Definitely. that. Like, maybe I'm not sorry, but like, it seemed like that was a huge part of it is he's just this white guy from Seattle that yes, he makes a great album. There's a lot of people making great albums though. So why he got, particularly famous from that one i mean ryan lewis seems to be the only reason in my mind that that is the only reason um i'm really not exactly sure other than that but also the fact that they're white people and like you couldn't just have two independent black guys doing that yeah like that have been doing music for a long time forever nobody gives a shit and then all of a sudden these two white guys do it it's like what no record label it's like yeah this is wild what there's tons of what <laughs> like there's tons of people that yeah this is a every yeah, day but, battle but, but do you think it's because they're from seattle and seattle would push that because so they're hard. from Seattle. It's because they're white. It's because that's what I'm saying. Seattle pushed it so, from Seattle. Yeah, but if Seattle pushed it so hard. If, good, if those good music does, like in general, like historically, Seattle has a good history of music producing musical artists. Yep. And so all of a sudden, you have rappers from Seattle. Nobody's heard of anything from Seattle rap since Sir Mixlot. Nobody even knew he was really from Seattle back in the day. No, not at all. But do, but I'm saying, do you think if they were in New York, and nobody would care because they're like, yeah, no, oh, absolutely, definitely. You know, that's <laughs> Those dudes over there are doing the same thing. No, that's one reason why I think Greaves never really got big is because he, the second he got signed to a New York label, he's from Seattle originally. He got signed in New York, fucking left and and started claiming he's from the East Coast or whatever. And it's like, yeah, there's a bunch of East Coast rappers. Who fucking cares? There's only, there's nobody from Seattle. Like, there's like Blue Scholars. There's fucking dime death there's fucking you know we, we did yeah. this on the other episode but uh, <laughs> um 
But it's just really interesting. And then all of a sudden you have Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. And it's like, yeah, they get famous because of the white crew from Seattle. Like, literally, there's no other white crew from Seattle that I can think of that's particularly good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. Or that's easy on the eyes if you put them in a music that's video. That's true, yeah. That's the more important factor. That is absolutely true. I actually know some white crews that are good, but they are some ugly motherfuckers. Yeah. I don't want to even see them on videos. <laughs> like, ask any girl. They're gonna, they'd are gonna. they rather watch Macklemore at a thrift shop than fucking some white dude that is starting his rap career at a 7-Eleven. So if I want to start some beef, I'll start some beef with Macklemore. But he probably already knew about that. Maybe that's why we have beef with him is because he took our fur jacket from thrift shop idea and he yeah. made it public and we're just like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. That was where we got our fur jackets, you motherfucker. It's true. Now I can't, I haven't found a good fur no, jacket No, we can't find a good goddamn years. fur jacket anywhere. Boop. That's it for this episode of Genre Neutral, the only podcast that prospects the depths of sound and artistry for dope gems that inspire. Connecting you with new cultures, fresh music, and the most hyphy perspectives on life. I'm your host as always, Duckman. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Be sure to check out Genre Neutral on all social platforms. This episode is brought to you by Obese. Obese. (laughs) Unleash the power of the beast. Unleash the beast.